Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text this morning is from Paul's letter to the Colossians, the third chapter. You may be seated. My dear friends in Christ, it is the first Sunday of Christmas, and if you've been here over the last two days, or really if you can just even imagine what we've done here over the last two days, you know that, as always, we've focused heavily on the incarnation of Christ. After all, that's what we're celebrating, that we can see our God face to face in the person of Jesus and that we are invited to do so. We're not like Moses who wasn't allowed to see God lest he die, so he had to be hidden away in a rock. We're not like Jacob who wrestled with God, not knowing that it was him, and then feared when he found out that he would die. We're not like <coughs> excuse me, Gideon who talked with God and then freaked out in his weakness that he should have died. No, instead we are invited to gaze upon the lovely face of Christ and see God there. We're given a face, uh, an image, an icon to look at and to love. We're given Jesus. Now the fact that our Lord has taken on human flesh is something that I think we just blast right past. We are, are so used to it that it's almost like it's not a surprise anymore. This is God before all worlds. Jesus is the Son of God, eternally begotten. Now, that doesn't mean that he was created, but that he has always been the Son to the Father. He has always been and he always will be. This is the mighty God who speaks the universe and all that is beyond it, and it bends to his command. This is he who has been in communion with God forever, and yet at one point decided to make a people for himself. And so he created not just a garden, but a planet. And not just a planet, but a solar system. And not just a solar system, but a galaxy. And not just a galaxy, but a universe. And not just a universe, but the heavens beyond all comprehension. All things came into being by his word, let there be. And all things bent to obey. So that he, Jesus, would make a people that he would love that he would make you. This is the God who is greater than all things and yet knew still that his people would rebel. So before he ever spoke the first light into existence, he made up his mind that no matter their rebellion, he would love them and he would love them as a dearest friend to lay down his life for them. Now, this is God. God cannot die. God is spirit. God has not a body. God cannot be killed by that which is less than him. But he knew 
that he would come to save his people that he made, and to do that, he would die. Because salvation only comes through the shedding of blood. So he made the earth and all the heavens and all that is in them. And as he knew, Adam and Eve rebelled against him and plunged all that he had made for them into the decay and despair. All the beauty of creation was made for Adam and Eve and their descendants, and they didn't care. They wanted to make creation in their image. And they got what they wanted. All of creation would now be in the sinful image of man, subject to corruption and death. They had taken the image of God in which they were created and drove it into dust and destruction. And yet, the Lord knew this would happen and had already planned to redeem Adam and Eve and all their descendants back from sin, death, and the devil, those evil taskmasters who would preside over a mass of obscenity. And while we would have perhaps hoped he would come in such a way that all would see him, he came in the way he had desired for his people to live, humbly and in service. Hence, while the Messiah was hoped to have come in strength and with a sword, he came otherwise. He humbled himself so far from the mighty God of all creation to be placed into human flesh and to be put in the womb of a woman. He would come into this life as all life does through blood and tears. He who created Eve in his own image now took the image of Eve from his mother, Mary. He who is mighty beyond all can became completely dependent upon the breast of his mother. He who spoke creation into being now spoke through the cries of a baby, cries of dirty diapers and of hunger and of surprise. This child we think of today grew in wisdom and stature, identifying in every way with his beloved people, except that he was without sin. He did all things well, obeying the law that he might exchange our disobedience with his obedience, that we might be saved and he condemned. And so the boy became a man and laid down his life at the hands of the Romans and the Jews, that he might die for all people, all of his beloved, his holy creation, his chosen. And he rose from the dead that those who believe in him might have life and have it eternally. By this resurrection you know that your sins, your disobedience, your contribution to the decay and destruction of his creation have been taken away from you. And instead, you have been given the robes of righteousness that have won for you everlasting life. Now, in this knowledge of the incarnation, Paul writes to the church at Colossae, instructions for life together, life that imitates our beloved Lord who took on our flesh. Now, you know that you're chosen. Now you know you're holy and beloved, Paul says. You are holy and beloved of God. Now that you know this, live like Christ. Put on compassion, 
as Christ had compassion over his fallen creation. Put on kindness as Christ has befriended you. Put on humility as he deigned to lower himself into the flesh of man to make himself a little lower than he was for a time. Put on meekness as Christ never assumed his lordship over his people as he lived among us. Put on patience as Christ bore up under the yoke of those who were over him, bearing their scorn and their shame. We imitate Christ in his life, that his life might be seen by all, even though Christ is not with us bodily. We bear the life of Christ into the world, first by the word and our sharing of it, and then by his works. You see, we endure other people no matter who they are or what they've done. We forgive one another no matter who they are or what they've done. We love one another no matter who they are or what they've done. Because Christ has bound us all up into one church, His church, that we might be a beautiful tapestry, more beautiful than Joseph's many-colored coat, more beautiful than Christ's robe woven together in one piece, more beautiful than even your favorite Christmas outfit. He has put us into harmony with one another. Not that any one part is more important than another, but that all of us playing our part sing in concert together to make a concerto beyond all music. A concerto of light and of life. And most of all, Christ has called us together in his body, his one body. He has called all of us to himself in the very body that he assumed from Mary. He has made us members one of another. He has made us members of himself, with him as the head. He has made us one that we might live in peace, moving and breathing and having our being in him. In him we are made righteous. In him we are made thankful. In him we are made rich by his word. In him we are one together. The mystery of the Incarnation is this, and it is one that we should ponder. And now that Christ is risen and ascended to the right hand of the Father, we also should ponder, we should wonder at Christ's bringing us into the mystery, being made one in Him. In Christ, we are part of His mysterious, mystical body, in that we speak His word and we do His work in the world. There is not one person who is living, who has lived, or who will live that Christ has not died for. There is not one person who doesn't matter to him. Thus, we bear with one another to teach us to bear with those who are still in the world. And while the world doesn't see the mystery of Christmas and rejoice that our Lord should be with us, we, by our very act of being right here, Teach them that there is something greater than opening presents on Christmas morning, listening to 24-7 so-called Christmas music on the radio, 
There's something more than big feasts, and there's something more than friends, and there is something more than family. There is more to Christmas than what the world has to offer. There's Christ. Come for us in His body to save all people, and come again today in word and in sacrament. You have come together in the one body of Christ today to receive the forgiveness that he won for you upon the cross. Do so. Receive it by his absolution, his word of forgiveness. Receive it through baptism, which you remember daily in drowning your hard-hearted old Adam and finding the new Adam, Jesus Christ, rising in you. Receive it through the supper by which that very body and blood that came out of Mary, which lived perfectly and was crucified, died, buried, and was resurrected for you, come to you and strengthen your faith and deliver you to the day of everlasting life. You have come together in the incarnate body of Christ that you may be his own. You are. You have been chosen. You have been made holy. You have been blessed with the very presence of Jesus, the God from all eternity who saw fit to make you that you might be with him forever and ever and ever in his love. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.